things like if we could go back and I watched one that was uh, if we could go back in time and stop the uh, the JFK assassination, you know what would that look like? How would that play out? And and uh, you know of course it was uh, a, a lot of it was the lead up to that, but after it happened, you know the scenario was completely different of what America would look like if JFK hadn't been assassinated. And so I'm fascinated by that stuff, and I'm I'm weird. I know it's fine. Um, so anyway, let's get into our what if uh, today. Uh, today's what if is what if Jesus had sinned? What if Jesus had sinned? Now there's a really easy, quick answer to this. Okay, and um, But I want to dive into why it was important that Jesus lived a sinless life. In fact, Barna Research... Uh, it's, it's a Christian research people. They go and ask questions to people, you know, people's opinions and stuff. And, and so they ask the question, um, do you believe that Jesus was sinless? And the people that they surveyed, uh, it, it was all Americans, and they, it was 52% of Americans believe that Jesus had sinned. Uh, not necessarily like maliciously sin, like doing someone wrong, but... You know, sometime in his life, he probably messed up on doing something. You know, 52% of Americans believe that. Uh, that includes Christians. It, it was not different between people outside of church and people inside of church. There are Christians that believe that, yeah, Jesus probably sinned at one point of his life. You know, and, and if that's true, then we're all in trouble. Because it is very important to the gospel that Jesus lived the perfect life. Because if Jesus didn't, if he sinned one time, made one mistake in his lifetime, then his death meant nothing. He was just another sinner that died for his sin and that we're still in our sin and that we're still going to hell. That's the implications if Jesus had sinned. And, and so, but why is that such an important thing? You know, why did Jesus have to be perfect? I mean, we can look back... And see, when Jesus, right before he started his ministry, you know, he was baptized by John the Baptist. The Bible says the Holy Spirit uh, drew him out into the wilderness where for 40 days and 40 nights he didn't eat and he was tempted by the devil. And, and, and you can read this in the Gospels, the, the different temptations that uh, the devil brought uh, to Jesus. But in the end, he always resisted. What would have happened if Jesus would have sinned during that time? What if he was, would to, were to have fallen into one of those temptations? What would have happened at that point? See, what would have happened is that the devil would be God now. Because that would have been Jesus who is God would have bowed his knee to the devil and proclaimed him as Lord. And so at that point, the devil would be God now. All right, Then we'd all be in big trouble, wouldn't we? And, and so that's the implication of... Jesus sinning. If Jesus sinned one time, then all of this stuff is for nothing. You know? And so, but we believe that, that Jesus was sinless. And I could give you scripture and go and all that. And I wish I had time. Um, but I have lots of notes today. And I hope I can make it through them today. Because this is one of those, like, it started off as an easy thing. But then it got deep quick on me. And so, today I want to talk to you about Jesus being the Lamb of God. You know, we, we hear that phrase thrown out in the Bible, and we sang a song today that said that Jesus was the Lamb of God. Now, why? 
What is the deal with a lamb? I mean, that, that doesn't seem like a, you know, if you think of the king of kings and the lord of lords, you know, I'm thinking like lion or, or bear or, you know, something massive, uh, you know, but, and he is called uh, the lion of Judah, but he's also the lamb of God. In Revelation 13:8, it says that he's the lamb of God that was slain from the creation of the world. And so this was something that was planned before anything even existed. Because here's the thing, that God knew that if he created mankind and he gave them free will, that they would sin, that they would decide to reject God at some point, and so that there would have to be a sacrifice that would be made that would redeem mankind so that that relationship can be restored. Now, I don't know about you, if, I, if I'm creating something, and I knew that's how it was going to play off, I, I might be like, ah, never mind, I might not do that. <laughs> I might try to something different. But, but this is, was, was God's plan, is that you know, Jesus would be the sacrifice that redeemed us from our sin, even before everything began. But he is called the Lamb of God that was slain from the creation of the world. Why a lamb? Why was it that that's the, the terminology that was used in this? And so today I want to dive into talking about the Lamb of God. And because it's, it's interesting because here's the thing. We said this last week that anything that God says or does, He does with purpose. Anything that we read in His Word and any of the things that, that God did in His Word was very purposeful. It wasn't anything that was just like, oh, okay, let's just do this. No, but it was planned out and it was purposeful. And, and, and the entire Bible that we see... Everything points to Jesus, okay? Everything in God's Word is pointing to Jesus. It's always pointing to Him all the way back from the Garden of Eden. Like we can even see Jesus in the creation. Uh, and, and everything in God's Word, it revolves around Jesus, whether He's on earth or not at the time. So Old Testament, New Testament, after He's ascended, even all the way to today, everything that God does revolves around Jesus, being the Lamb of God, okay? And so this is a pretty big thing. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about the Lamb of God who is Jesus and, and His perfection while He was here on earth. And, and I want to connect it to some things in the Old Testament. And we're going to go all the way from, from Jesus to we'll able to be able to go all the way back to Abraham in this. And I have uh, 19 minutes to do this, okay? And so, <laughs> so here we go. Um, so why did Jesus have to be perfect? Like I said, that if he would have sinned, then he would have given uh, the power, all the power over to the devil. And, but, but see, Jesus had to fulfill the law perfectly. See, the law of Moses back in the Old Testament, it was very strict. It was very rigid. And, and the point of the law was to ultimately point us to Jesus, who would be the, the one who perfects the law. But the law was set in place so that it would, we would see our own sinfulness. That we're not worthy, that we're not able to live according to what God has for us. That seems pretty mean to me. I mean, like God would like, hey, let's make all these laws that you can't keep. Uh, and then we're going to punish you for these laws, right? <laughs> because you can't keep them. And so, but the whole deal was is that he, in that, he gave us grace because they gave sacrifices for the different sins that they would take to the high priest. And so, in saying all of this, the Lamb of God, 
Why a lamb? It takes us back to uh, a, a, a festival, a, a time in, in the Jewish history called Passover. And uh, we're going to start with Jesus and what he did for us. And I want to work our way back to see why the lamb was so important. Because Jesus lived the perfect life and that, that he gave his life for us. He gave his life a ransom for us. He took on our sin and our unrighteousness and he exchanged it and he gave us his righteousness. See, he had to be perfect because we weren't. And so when he died for us, he gave us that righteousness that he lived out here on the earth. And so what happened here with the, the Passover lamb is that, see, Jesus died on Passover, right? We, we read that in the Gospels. It, it talks about how Jesus died on Passover. And, and with us not being Jewish and not knowing all of the, the backstory of Passover and, and the feast that, that build up to that day. See, Passover happens in the middle of the festival of unleavened bread. And so um, every year, the Jews on the first month of the year um, according to the law of Moses, the first month of the year, they start preparing for the, the festival of unleavened bread. Now, that doesn't mean anything to us because we love leaven in our bread, right? Most of you are like, what in the world are you talking What is leaven? <laughs> what are we talking about? Leaven is the stuff that makes bread good. It makes it rise and it makes it fluffy and it makes it really good. And, and so, but the Bible equates leavening with sin. And so on the... The festival of unleavened bread, before it started, the Jews would go and clean their house of all leavening. I mean, they had to spotlessly clean their house. Like, they had to pull out the fridge. They got to sweep out all that stuff, make sure there's no, none of that in their house before they were able to celebrate this. And so, but at the beginning of this, the law tells them to go choose a lamb that was spotless that was that had no blemishes that had no nothing on it and you had to bring it in and you had to uh, examine it for four days to make sure that there was nothing found in it that was any kind of blemish uh, 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 Del Cohen talks about this sometimes like even that they go as far as like if, if two hairs came out of the same follicle and they were different colors that would be that it would disqualify that lamb from being perfect. And so there was a very rigorous thing that they had to do as far as cleaning their house out and examining the lamb. And on, on, on the day of Passover, they would go to the, the temple and they would sacrifice that lamb. Uh, the, and they called it the Passover lamb. But see, that connects back to the first Passover in Exodus chapter 12. When there were slaves in Egypt... And, and this is the time that Moses was coming back and, and the plagues were hitting Egypt and, and, and it came to the last plague. And the last plague was that, that every firstborn male would die in the land of Egypt, whether it be human or animal. And so God told Israel, said, go get a lamb, examine it for four days to make sure it's perfect. And on the night before Passover, or, or, or the night of Passover, you need to slaughter the lamb, put its blood on the doorpost, and then you need to roast the lamb and eat it. And he said, what I need you to do is I need you to have your shoes on, I need to have your clothes ready, you need to have everything packed, you're going to eat this. 
you're going to eat this thing. And at night, when the death angel comes through, if it sees the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, it would pass over your house and nobody would die in your house. And so after that happened, after the death angel came through Egypt, of course there was lots of, uh, uh, of people crying. I mean, it was just misery going on because all of these kids have died. All the firstborn males have died, and it was just a very tragic time. And then they were just like, y'all just get out of here. Take our stuff and go. We, we can't deal with this anymore. And so they had to be ready to go. And so at that point they packed up their stuff and they got out of Egypt, and God set them free from slavery. And see, that was the picture that they're celebrating on Passover with a Passover lamb. And, and some of you are already seeing the imagery here of what we're talking about as far as the perfect lamb being sacrificed and his blood being poured out. And, and, the, and the blood caused the death angel to pass over that particular thing. See, when Jesus died on the cross, the lamb of God, as he was perfect, his blood was shed so that our sins could be forgiven. And so that when, when it's time for the judgment... To when, the, when, when they say, hey, you're going to heaven or hell, the blood's going to be applied to our heart. The blood of Jesus is going to be there. Jesus, God's going to look at us. He might have a list there and be like, all right. And they just go, whoa, whoa, whoa. See the blood? He's mine. All right. Go on into heaven. See, it's the blood that causes the death to go away. For the sin not to be counted against us anymore. And so that's what Jesus, that's why they call Jesus... The, the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the world. But it's interesting as we look into this, and I'm skipping over a bunch of scriptures here to you. I don't, we're just rolling with it today. <laughs> but I want to read into this about uh, the Passover and, and, and what they had to do in this. Because uh, it, it's interesting that, because that Lamb had to be perfect. There had to be no blemish and nothing on that lamb for it, for it to count as the sacrifice. So in, in Exodus chapter 12, I want to read uh, through some of this. I'm going to jump around in Exodus chapter 12 where we find uh, where this happened. And it says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This, this month is to be uh, for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel, on the tenth day of this month, each man must take a lamb for his family, one for each household. And if any household is too small for a lamb, they must share one with the nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there. said, so you are to determine the amount of lamb needed according uh, to what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be one-year-old males without defect. And you must take them from the sheep or the goats and, and take, the, take care of them until the 14th day uh, of the month, and when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight, said so then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames uh, where the house where they were eating. Verse twelve. It says, "On the same night I will pass through Egypt, and I will strike down every firstborn uh, people and animals, and I will bring judgment on the gods of Egypt. I am." The Lord, the blood will be the sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Man, that's good news right there. Because the blood of Jesus does that for us. That's what the blood of Jesus does for us. Verse 14, it says, This is the day for you to commemorate. For generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival of the Lord, 
a lasting ordinance. For seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast, and on the first day remove all the yeast from the house, and whoever eats anything uh, with yeast in it from the first day through the seventh day must be cut off from Israel. On the first day hold a, a sacred assembly, uh, another one on the seventh day. Do not work at all on these days except for to prepare food for everyone to eat. That is all you may do. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread because it was on this day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as an, a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. This is what he told them way back then. And still to this day, Passover is celebrated with that much vigor and that much, and, and that much detail that they are to clean their houses and they're supposed to do all of these things. And, and, and this all points to Jesus. Because as we look into the life of Jesus, Jesus approached Jerusalem four days before Passover. And that he was welcomed into Jerusalem that day. We remember the day that he, he entered in uh, to the gate. I believe it was the Golden Gate uh, coming from Mount Olives. And, and T, I've got a map that I didn't put in there. It's in Dropbox if you want to grab that. <laughs> um, but he entered in the Golden Gate and, and, and the people were there and they laid their coats down and they had the, the palm leaves and singing Hosanna to the highest and, and, and just worshiping Jesus as he come in. And, and, and so they welcomed him in that day. And for the next four days, he was examined. See, he went into the temple and he began to teach. And in fact, that first day he went into the temple was the day that he drove out the money changers. See, one of the things that they had to do was to clean the house before Passover. See, Jesus cleaned the house of God before Passover on that day. He came and he cleaned out the money changers and all those people that were trying to make profit uh, off, of, off of God. And he, he drove them out. And for four days he was examined. He was teaching. And the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the, the elders and all these people were asking him questions and grilling him time and time again, trying to catch him in, in, in his words and trying to trap him, trying to see if they could find anything to accuse him. So that they could execute him. Day after day he was in the temple teaching. And then we see the scene that after the, they celebrated Passover. Jesus and the disciples. And he went to the garden of Gethsemane. Uh, you got that up there? Alright. And, and so right in the middle there is the temple mount. That, that's where all this stuff happened. Uh, where the sacrifices were made. That's the temple. Uh, over here to the right we see Gethsemane. Which is where Jesus went to pray that night in which he was betrayed and that he was arrested. Uh, further on over to the right, we see Mount Olives. Uh, you know, as, as you read in your Bible, some of these things are, you recognize. Um, and, and, and so he went over to Gethsemane to pray. And that's where Judas came and he betrayed him and he was arrested. And then he was taken in, in, in front of the Sanhedrin to where they grilled him all night long and asking him questions and, and, and trying to find something to accuse him. And finally, they got him to admit that he was the Son of God. And so the, the high priest, he tore his clothes and he said, This is blasphemy. Let's take him and let's execute him. But see, they couldn't do that on their own. They were under Roman rule at the time. And so they had to go to the Roman governor. His name was Pilate. And, and, and so they brought their accusations to Pilate. So this man, he claims to be 
the Son of God. You know, he claims this, he claims this. And so Pilate, he grills him for a long time, and he talks with him. And, and, and Pilate comes back, he's like, I don't find anything that he did wrong. I don't see that he broke any laws. He didn't do anything wrong. For four days, Jesus was examined and found not guilty. But you know what? Pilate crucified him anyway. See, a lot of times Christians like to blame the Jews for killing Jesus. Like, oh, we, we don't like the Jews because they're the ones that killed Jesus. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If Jesus didn't die, we would not be where we are today. See, God used the situation for his glory. All right? See, we don't need to be against the Jews. We need to be supporting the Jews. We need to be supporting Israel because that's the bride of Christ. That's still God's chosen people. And one day we're going to be celebrating with them in all of this stuff. And so, but he was examined for four days and found guiltless, but he was still killed. And so on the day that, on the night before that he was, he was examined all night long. And so the next morning about 9 a.m., the Bible calls this the, uh, the, the third hour. That Jesus was put on the cross. And so they took him up there on a place called Golgotha. We're not sure exactly where it is, but on this map that he just took away. Put that map back up there for me, bud. Um, see, there's three mountains in this picture. You can't see them because it's not that kind of map. But the mount, where the Temple Mount is, that's a place called Mount Moriah. On the right is the Mount of Olives, and there's another one on the left. And, and it's believed over here on the, on the left where it says the Church of the Holy Scepter. They believe that's where Jesus was crucified. And so on that day when Jesus was crucified, they put him on the cross at the third hour. And it said at the ninth hour is when Jesus gave up the ghost and he died on the cross. Do you know what else just happened to be happening at the same time on the mountain next to it? on Mount Moriah or the Temple Mount. See, it was the day of Passover. See, the lamb would have been examined from that four days out. He was examined and searched over to see if there was anything that they could find any defects in the lamb. And so on the day of Passover, or, or actually the, the night before Passover, what they would do is that they would take that lamb in fact, it was about the ninth hour, or about three o'clock. People would line up at the temple gate with their lambs that they had found perfect. And they would line up there, and the priest would blow a shofar. And they'd open the gates, and people would start streaming in to the temple. And they would begin to slaughter the lambs. They would catch the blood, and they would throw it against the altar. One after another, they would slaughter the lambs, catch the blood, throw it against the altar. And they were making those sacrifices. And we can read in Jewish writings. This is not Christian at all, but this is the Jewish writings of the Talmud. That we see that after they sacrificed a lamb, that they would take its forearms and nail it to a pole. And then that's where they would, they would skin it and they would, they would do all the stuff that they had to do to get it ready to roast it. 
And so at the ninth hour, all of these people came in with the lambs. They called it the Passover lamb or the, the Pesach. And, and so they would come in and they would sacrifice these lambs at the ninth hour. And, and they were singing the Hillel at the time, which is Psalm 113 through 118. And so as the people were doing that in the Temple Mount, Jesus was hanging on a cross on the hill next to it. And I want to read something to you here. It says, The, the Levites would be chanting the Hillel. The sounds of their voices joined with the voices of thousands of pilgrims that had gathered at the temple filled the entire city of Jerusalem. Indeed, indeed, they were heard outside of the walls. A short distance away where Jesus had been hanging on the cross for six hours, they chanted these words, The cords of death entangled me. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His righteous ones. Open for me the gates of righteousness. The stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone. All of those pointing to the Messiah that's coming, that's dying on the hill next to them as they sacrifice the Passover lamb. See, Jesus is the Passover lamb. Jesus, all of that that they were doing was pointing towards the Messiah who is dying for them at that very same moment. See, everything that God does in His Word, He does with purpose. Everything that, that, that they had to do with that Passover lamb from the time that they left Egypt as slaves until that day that Jesus died, they did this every single year. The same pattern, the same thing. And it's the exact same thing they did with Jesus that day. And so all of this was pointing to the time where the Messiah would give his life for the sins of the world. It's amazing what God does. And that we can see the connection of all of these different things lining up. See, we can take it from the death of Jesus all the way back to Exodus 12 at the first Passover. But see, it also connects all the way back to Genesis chapter 22. To where we see a man named Abraham. And Abraham got into a covenant with God. And God said, I want to make you the father of many nations. He said, I want to bless the world through your seed. And he made him this promise. But the thing was, Abraham, his wife couldn't have kids. She was barren. They had no kids, and God was promising this dude, like, it's like, I want to make you the father of many nations, and, and, and your seed's going to bless the entire world. Every nation on the, on the world would be blessed because of your seed. And I'm sure he's thinking, okay, God, what, whatever, you know. <laughs> but see, then, as we follow that story out, Isaac was born. Adam, I mean, Sarah was 90 years old when Isaac was born. But see, after Isaac was a little bit older, God asked Abraham, said, Abraham, I want you to go and I want you to sacrifice your one and only son for me. And Abraham was like, okay, I'll do it. And so he takes his son Isaac. He takes the wood. He takes everything with him. They go on a three-day journey. And they go up on this mountain. And they build the altar, and, and, and Isaac is sitting there, you know, doing his thing. Like, okay, Dad, I'm doing what you say. And then he's like, hey, Dad, um, we forgot something. We don't have a sacrifice. And Abraham had that awkward conversation like, uh, son, you're the sacrifice. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> and so he bound him and he put him on the altar and he was about to kill him. And God said, don't, don't, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now that I know that you are willing to give your one and only son, now I can give my one and only son. You know what mountain that was? Mount Moriah. Right where the temple mount's at. The exact same place where Isaac was going to sacrifice his son. See, God does things that's way beyond what we even know. God's plan is at work. Are we willing to trust God's plan? See, Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the creation of the world. He had a plan before the world even began. That he had this all planned out like he needed to do it. So that we today can have salvation. So that we can have our sins forgiven. So that we can have freedom from our sin. And that we can spend eternity with God in heaven. Do you think God can plan out your life a little better than you? See, he knew you before you were even created. He knew you before you showed up here. He has your days planned. He has a plan for your life. Can you trust God with his plan for you? See, the what if is what if Jesus had sinned? See, here's the thing. God had a plan. If Jesus would have sinned, it would have messed up that entire plan. See, I know that God wouldn't have made the plan if he knew Jesus was going to mess up, right? See, here's the thing. You can't mess up God's plans. You can't mess up God's plans for your life. Trust me, I've tried to mess up God's plans for my life. Not purposely, you know, but you know, a lot of the decisions I've made could have really messed up God's plan for my life. But you know what? God already knew that was going to happen, and he made provision for it. See, God knows exactly where you're at. It's not by surprise that, that you are... It, it didn't surprise God that you're in the situation you're in right now. And let me tell you, God already has a plan for you. Trust in His plan. Trust in His plan. Trust in Him. Don't try to make it happen on your own. Don't try to do your thing. Say, God, I, I trust in you. God, you knew I was going to be here. My decisions might have got me here, but God, you knew I was going to make these decisions. And so, God, I'm trusting your plan. God, I put this in your hand. The Bible says, cast our cares onto him because he cares for us. In due time, he will lift us up. So trust in his plan. God knows what he's doing. See, today maybe you're in a tough situation where you don't know what's going to happen. You're scared. Now let's lay it at the altar today. Let's lay it at the altar today. We're about to do one more worship song as we always do. We're going to give you a time to respond like we always do, but I don't want this to be like we always do. All right? See that thing that's heavy on your heart today? Place it on the altar. It doesn't... It, it doesn't have to be up here. Place it on the altar in your life. Say, God, I, I trust you. God, I don't have any clue how you're going to do this, how you're going to pull this off, but God, I trust you in what you want to do. Can you trust him today?
As we worship today, I want you to place that on the altar and give it to Him. But see, what we have a tendency to do, we place it on the altar and tomorrow we go take it back. Don't do that. Keep trusting Him. Keep trusting His plan for your life. Let's all stand. Let's get ready to worship today. Prayer team, come on. So today as we worship, talk to God today. Place that thing on the altar. If you need someone to pray with you, if you're just like, I, just, I, I don't even have words, come and pray with one of these people up here and, 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 and allow them to encourage your faith. Today I want you to connect with your Heavenly Father.